Welcome to the Pergo Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and today I'm joined by Kevin and Lori Eubanks. Thank you all so much for coming on. Well, it's great to be here. Yes, thank so, you for having us, Jared. Yes. Yeah, well, I feel like I'm in the presence of celebrities <laughs> because I just recently watched your video on CBS. That's huge. And so um, I had heard your story, a little bit about it, even before the CBS special. But then after watching it, I was like, man, we've got to get you all to come on the Perigo Podcast. So thank you yes. for being here. I would love to hear... Um, just a little bit about kind of where you came from, and then I want to hear about the stroke, and then of course uh, the great invention which CBS came to cover. So yes. wherever you want to start, tell us a, a little bit about your background. Well, I was born and raised in Paragool, Arkansas. A brief period of my time, we lived in Forest City when my dad ran the foremost book plant that was there, and then he had the opportunity to come back to Paragool and take over and buy out my great uncle's gasoline business which was guff at the time and so we moved back to paragol and my dad done that and of course it led me to go into the same business as my dad i eventually bought him out in 71 i believe is when it was in 71 no no, uh 91 91 okay and how old were you in 91 Ish, probably, whenever you bought that? Uh, let's see. How old were we then? Uh, good question. 30s. Okay. So you're in your 30s. Yeah. You buy the company from your dad? Yes, and everything was going great for us during that time and that period, leading right up to uh, February the 7th, 2014, when I had a stroke, which paralyzed the left side of my body. And at that time... Uh, we real, I realized that I could no longer maintain the business on my own, so I decided to sell it to another company in which they bought it. And from that point on, you could basically say, uh, say I've been in a recovery from yeah. the stroke. Uh, tell me a little bit about what that was like. I know some of the memories may be a bit more foggy for you. And so, Lori. Yeah. Uh, Kevin was... <laughs> I called him a workaholic. His dad, Wendell Eubanks, taught him well how to work. Uh They were both very Uh disciplined with that business, and Kevin worked hard. And, you know, he was all about community and all about Paragould and, and, you know, taking care of customers. So he worked hard, and he loved to hunt. Uh, deer and duck hunting, mm. and that's what that's what he did. No health issues at that no, point. No, no none that issues. we was aware of. Seasonal allergies was all Kevin ever dealt with. Oh wow! With. So you're not going to the doctor very often. Things no, like no. After the stroke, we found out I had what uh, what was called atrophib. Yes, he had a heart condition <clears throat> that we did not know about. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the night he had a stroke, I mean, we'd been babysitting our nine month or our eleven month old grandson, and just normal day and. He went to bed with a really bad headache and within five minutes got sick, got up, and I there was a, a, a thud. that it, it was like something had hit our house. I guess I should say more like a boom. And he, I went in and found him in the floor, totally Goodness. paralyzed on his left side. Alert? Alert. Mm-hmm. Now, um, not really realizing what's going on, he thought I was holding him down. Mm-hmm. He didn't realize he'd had a stroke. I kept wow. telling him. Because I'm a nurse. I kept oh, so telling, you knew? Yes. I kept telling him, you've had a stroke. But he just, he thought I was holding him down, and he just kept saying, I have a bad headache. Good. So, you know, we get him to the hospital. It's snowing. It's a snowstorm. I mean, it's just like, I just felt like everything was going against us. 
um, got him here to Arkansas Methodist Hospital. They uh, gave him the the TPA drug that's supposed to uh, break up clots because he had blood clots is what caused his stroke. Um, there is a six percent chance that you get brain ble- get bleeds later that are usually brain bleeds. Um, that happened to him two days later. We, so we, what do they tell you whenever you went to the hospital? I'm guessing this is a pretty critical situation. Yes. 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 And then are they are they giving you at that point any like, hey, you know what? You're going to have full recovery here, no. or hey, this doesn't look good. What are they telling you? No, at that point, they really weren't telling us anything. They were just trying to get him stabilized to get him to Little Rock, to UAMS. And yeah. she said things were going real bad that night. Yes. It was bad enough that the ambulance got stuck. The ambulance stuck got stuck in our, in our house driveway. in the no. snow. And we get another ambulance. We can't use our air evac. There was no visibility. So literally an ambulance ride to Little Rock that took five hours. That would be terrifying. Yes. They, they got that medicine in him so that he the, – the medicine was just to get him where he could make the trip to Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And um, what does the medicine do? It breaks up clots. Okay, you said that. Okay, it yes, up clots. yes okay. because if he so had that another, works pretty quick. Yes, if he had another blood clot on the way, you know. So we get him to Little Rock the next morning. Um, he he's not really understanding things. Still, he's fighting. He's broke restraints. He was very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, then that su- that was on a Friday night. The Sunday morning, he had a brain bleed, which was a result of the medication, but. He was not going to make it without the medication. It was one of those things. Wow. We we had to have it. Um, he spent, and that's pretty much with anybody who takes that medicine. They're like, hey, here's your options. Yes. It's either yes. You, you don't get rid of these clots and you take your chances right. with those, which is You're, not good. Right, no. Or you possibly have face a, a brain bleed. Correct. Correct. And we get down to Little Rock with the brain bleed, caused his brain to swell. He had to have a craniectomy, which was the removal of the bone plate. Goodness. And um, so, you know, literally 14, two weeks in Little Rock just to get him to where they could stabilize stabilize him. Yes, exactly. Like it was a week later before he even woke up again. Really? Was it pretty touch and go? Yes, yes. Every day was just, you know. So they weren't even sure you were going to survive after that surgery. No. Nope. We were, we were just taking in prayers, and we were told that Sunday morning that people all over Paragould, just about everybody we knew that attended a church was telling us, hey, our church was praying for you that Sunday morning that you had that surgery. Wow. And they, the surgeon came out and told me he wasn't going to make it after the surgery. He told you he wasn't going to make he it? He told me he was not going to make it. Why? He just said he's very, very ill. He's probably not going to make it. What in the world was that like to hear oh, that? I just... In oh, shock? Just in shock. Exactly. In shock. Because he'd been healthy, right? Yes, Everything's good. It's just healthy. super fast. I was like, this is not supposed to happen. You know, we had talked about things like this happen to our parents, but not us. And now here comes the surgeon. He's like, you yes. need to prepare yes. for the fact that he's yes. going to die. Yes. And yes. And within, oh, an hour or two, we get a um, phone call that. They're looking at his scans. They they did a CT scan. We're still in the waiting room. They hadn't even let me see him yet. And they call down to tell us that, hey, this surgery is doing what it's supposed to do. And that quick of a turnaround. That quick of a turnaround. Mm-hmm. And that was all those prayers. Uh, yeah. No doubt. So you come out of surgery. Were you a... Do you have any memories of any of that? No. no. He was, he was uh-uh. out of it for a week. You know, no okay. recollection. He woke up no. a week later. Okay. And what is your first was your first memory in the hospital? Well, after the yes, it was. She had been staying with me, and show you 
how good she is. And I'll have to say this, Jared. <clears throat> we cry easily now. <laughs> we do. I'm afraid if I read the phone book, I'd start crying because yeah. of something. Tell me about that for a second. What are you, were you a big crier before this? No. Okay. Uh-uh. Never. So I, I don't, I'm not a big crier myself, but I've, I'm, the older I get, the more I realize it's actually healthy. Yes, it is. And I realize that usually the people who can cry more quickly um, how can I say this? It's like their soul has been enlarged by suffering. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm just curious. What do you, what do you, why do you think that is? What it, what has is it the suffering? Like what is it about even the suffering that has brought you to this place where you can say, man, I could even read the phone book and cry. Well, I tell you, for me, it was walking up to death's door, and God saying, not just yet. I've still got plans for you. And that just, it touches my heart so much. To be here? Mm-hmm. And then to see everything that he has done for me over the past eight to nine years. Yes. That since the stroke and how I am blessed over and over and over. Do you feel more blessed now? Well, I, I see the blessings better now than that than what I did back then. I was so consumed, like she said, with uh, our business and operating it that, you know, Satan, the tempter, has a great way of blinding us to God's blessings. And and that just, Mm -hmm. now it's like, okay, I I can see. I once was blind, but now I can see. Wow. And Jared, after he was in Little Rock for two weeks, and then they told me, upon releasing him to take him to a nursing home. So at that point, they're still just like, okay, you're going to live at your quality of life. Yes, Yes. because he he couldn't sit up, you know, alone, so they said take him to a nursing home. Do you remember, you said you do remember waking up in the hospital? Yes. What Uh, was your first kind of thought and feeling just around that? Like when you finally realized, I've had a stroke and my life has changed forever. I really didn't realize that until I got to Jonesboro down at Health South okay. in rehab hospital whenever they started working with me because when I realized I couldn't do the, the things I had done before, it was a big shock. It was every night when I went to bed, it's like, Lord, please just let me wake up and be able to do what I used to do. But Jeez. So when you woke up in Little Rock, you, you were like, I, have a stro- I had a stroke, but I'm going to recover, and mm-hmm. we're going to get back to normal. Is that kind of your thinking? Well, that, that was my thinking. Yeah. No, he he didn't no. have the thought process right then. Okay. See, when I was in Jonesboro at the rehab down there, my thought process was I'm going to walk out of this place whenever I get ready to leave, and I didn't walk out. I mean, I just he know. he still his brain just wasn't processing the severity of it. No. When did it hit you? Oh, I guess about two weeks. After I got to Jonesboro. What was it that finally just, just read, that fact, made it register? Just the fact that I couldn't do what I used to do, you know, not being able to walk, not being able to use my arm, and, you know. Having to have total care. Yes. Was it mainly at that point grief, anger? What was it you experienced at that point? Just the fact of not understanding. 
Yeah. I, I and that, that was hard not understanding. And that's when I, I, I finally said, okay, Lord, I don't understand what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, but I do trust you. I think he had more grief at that time from what I saw. Yeah. He didn't really understand, but I think it was just more sadness and grief. He sure. Just, well, he, the loss of a life yes. like hunting, things yes. that you used to be able to do with ease, yes. like that's not going to be able yeah. to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Those questions are totally normal. And I think like anybody who's gone through suffering, you do ask those questions, right, of like God. And, and you were praying, right? You were both oh, praying yes. for like full recovery. Yes. yes. You know God can, you've got the faith that I, he can heal me. That's why you're praying, but yep. it's not happening. And I think everyone who goes through suffering, it's like give yourself permission, I think, to ask God those hard questions. You know, yes. I always tell people prayer is not a place where you have to be good. It's a place to be honest. It's a place to go to right. God and just be honest about your feelings. You and know, it sounds like you were probably wrestling through some of those. Yes. You can look at Job's case and the fact how much he questioned God. And, you know, and finally God just asked him questions. Hey, where were you when I created the world? And, and you know, and Job understood then that, you know what, it, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about God's will. And his timing is always perfect. And that's something we've had to come to deal with and understand and learn. We might not understand why we're in the situation we're in, but you know what? God's got a plan for me, and I look forward to seeing that plan fulfilled, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. I think I question things more than Kevin did. You think because you weren't living it? Like as mm-hmm. much as like, actually, I mean, you are living it. Yes. You're living it for right. sure, but it's but, not your body. Right, you think? and I'm, I'm the realist making all the decisions. You know, yeah. suddenly I went from having a... You know, husband who took care of everything to now I'm the one that makes the decisions and and you know suddenly you know I'm it and I didn't uh-huh. want to be it uh-huh. so it it's just it's huge you go through huge changes and and it took us a while you know he was two months total before he got to come home for the first time wow. and that was just the rehab hospital just got us to the point where we could get him in a vehicle. And getting me, get him home safely. Get him in the house. He was in a wheelchair. You know, just teaching all the safety things. And then we started outpatient therapy, and we just settled into a new norm. And that's what we called it. We said, "Okay, this is just our new norm now." We did, we just created it. Did that feel humbling? Like as a man who's strong, who's hunting, who's been able to do whatever you want. You've got a successful oil business, right? Yes. Yes, we was very successful, and and and. Lord was blessing us greatly in that business, and and to go from that to where I was unable to, you know, no longer work at it, it 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 humbles you, you know. It does especially like us. They say a while ago, when you walk up to this door, it humbles you, and he, you know, your whole perspective on life changes. How do you think your perspective? And I know this will be for, this is a question for you too, Lori. But how how has your perspective changed? after walking away from death's door, at least for now? Well, for me, you know, the typical Christian, you know, we're very faithful in our Christianity or try to be. I went from not, you know, absorbing myself in the Bible because right after I got home and started really studying hard on the Bible, I ran across several verses that helped me out. And, and one of them was uh, from Second Peter, where it 
talks about his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Mm-hmm. And that verse told me that, okay, if you want to know the answer to life and everything, it's in the Bible. If you'll just find it, you know, mm-hmm. you have to search and find it. And that was comforting for me because now I thought, okay, Lord, you're telling me if I want to know what's going on and how to deal with all of this, I won't have to search it and find it. And and that's what I've done since then. Yeah, because <clears throat> we both had to find a new purpose in life. Mm-hmm. I worked with him at the oil company. And, you know, suddenly that's all changed. And now I'm a, I'm a caregiver. You know, I'd been out of nursing for a while and... And, you know, like I said, we created our new normal. We settled in. You know, where do we fit in in life now? What's our purpose? And Kevin would ask that all the time. What's my purpose? Well, he began studying the Bible. I mean, just says the most beautiful prayers at church, can can teach a, give a short devo at <coughs> church. And, you know, then I got into helping work in the, we worked the food pantry. Um, I went back into nursing. I used to be a nurse for Paragould School District 20 years ago. Well, then now I'm the substitute nurse. Um, you know, we, we've both found what God wants us to do now. Mm. And that's huge. I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, but um, it's a it's written by, he was actually, a, I think he was a psychiatrist, but he was in a concentration camp in mm-hmm. Auschwitz. And he talks about the people who survived the concentration camps, um, they were people who were able to find purpose in the midst of their suffering. He said the people who gave up and died lost their meaning. They lost their surface so he, or their purpose. So he said that's every man and woman needs to search for meaning in their suffering if they're going to make it through. Yes, that is exactly true. And it sounds like y'all have been able to do that. Well, it, what, what I have thing. found is in the Bible there's so much hope. You know, yes. and the Bible talks about that hope. And, you know, Romans is a beautiful book, and it's got some good sayings in it. I think it's Romans twelve twelve that says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Mm-hmm. You do those three things, and, and life will get better for you. God will bless you. Yeah, say those three things again. Uh, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Yeah. So, you know, when you can put those things in the right place, you know, hope is what gets us through everything. Yes. And and that's what the Bible's full of is hope. So. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm curious, what's been the hardest adjustment for you? What's been the thing that you missed the most or have missed the most? The hardest adjustment for me <clears throat> has been accepting the fact that I won't be able to do things, certain things ever again. One thing that I, as a grandfather, I was looking forward to is spending a lot of time with my grandsons and doing things with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like she said, I love to hunt and fish and be outdoors, play ball and so forth. And I've got three beautiful grandsons that I will never be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sad. To not be able to do those things. Yeah, and and he'll be able to do some on a limited basis, but just not like he'd like to. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we, and I can see that you do grieve those things, and I think Mm -hmm. that we 
you know, it's so easy, especially you've brought up God several times. And I always tell people the Paracle podcast is, I don't intentionally ever try to make these episodes spiritual, but a lot of times they do go that way. And and I don't ever set that up for those listening. It's never as soon as they might think, is he trying to set it up that way? And it's, you know, we don't, we didn't yeah, talk about any no, of this stuff right we, before no, y'all came on. But, you just, know, I think that in, if you're, for those who are in the church world, um, one of the things that I think that we get wrong is when someone feels sorrow over the loss, we want to quickly get them out of that mm-hmm. and make them just be happy. And I don't, I think that's, I don't think that's godly, actually. You know, you think about Jesus whenever he walked up to the tomb at Lazarus, you know, whenever Lazarus died, like, he didn't say, hey, everybody chill, everybody quit crying, yeah. like, he's about to go, to, you know, he's in a better place, or hey, I'm about to raise him from the dead, but the first thing he did is Jesus wept, he cried. Yes. And I think that's very godly for us to weep over the things that we lose, even though we know one day all things, our hope is right, it's going to yes. be made better. All sad things are going to come untrue, yes. but so they're still sad is now. where we do our best growing. 100%. Yes, we have to go through the grieving process, no matter what it is. Yes. We, we, yes, we've grieved over things that we can't do anymore, but yet we feel blessed by what we can do. You say suffering has, is uh, it's where we do most of our growing. How do you, and you've already hit on this a little bit, but I'm curious for both of y'all, how do you feel like you've grown with your, through this suffering? Well, for me, my Bible knowledge is a lot better, and my faith is stronger. You know, it has, it has increased my faith and, and, made it stronger that now I can look at God, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it's a, to me, almost a complete turnaround to where you can look at God now and say, okay, Father, I trust you and I love you. I don't understand and will never understand. Even if he was to sit down and explain it to me right now, I don't think I have the capacity to fully understand his plan. Wow. But, you know, I still trust it and, and say, okay, I'm going with it. That's beautiful. I mean, so yeah. I've, what I've, I'm sitting across from a guy who says your faith has grown, and this is kind of my words, but your gratitude has, has yes. grown. Just yes. your thankfulness and your gratitude yes, in life. Exactly. Yes. We are so thankful. And, you know, we talk about we're, we're in a different season in life now, too. You know, so God's opening doors for us to be able to do things mm-hmm. that we couldn't do before. When we when we worked all the time, or our, our kids were younger, mm. you know, we're we're just we're in a different season, and, and God opens doors for us every day on things that we can do, mm. no matter how small. I have found that I have a uh, a bigger impact on people now than I had oh, before. Yeah. This is an just example be- of that. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of what we've been through. Yes. Well, I can tell you, you're already having a big impact on me, <laughs> and uh, I know you will on others who are going to listen to this podcast. So that Thank is certainly you. true. Um, I know one of the things that you missed just because I watched the CBS special was being able to hug yes. your grandchildren. You ain't a kidding. So tell me about that and, and kind of what came out of that. Well, in my family, I grew up, you would hug with both arms. You know, we, we called it the No bear, side hugs. The, yeah. No, yeah, we called it the bear, bear hug. And then when COVID hit, it was like, you know, all right, let's fist bump. Mm-hmm. Arm, bum, <laughs> yeah. and, and everything but hug. Yes. And, and yeah. you know, for two years, it's been that way. And it's it just, you know, I just, I missed the bear hug mm. because it was so important to me growing up. And then my daughter, which is a teacher down at ASU, <laughs> called me one day and she said, would you mind if we used you as a, 
I want to say experiment. Experiment. <laughs> You'd be our guinea pig, pig. yeah. 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 Emily teaches in the OTA program okay. at ASU. Yeah. And uh, I told her, I said, well, yes, you go right ahead. I'd love it. <laughs> and she said, well, we'll probably have to FaceTime you and talk to you on some of the things. I said, well, you do that. So sure enough, she did. And I got to talk with some of her students and one of the last questions they asked me was, what do you miss, you, you know, most in life? And that's when I told them about the two-handed hug, and they just took it from there and ran with it. And Because yes. Kevin's left arm is still totally paralyzed yes. in his hand. Yes. So. And uh, then she called one day, and she said, I'm coming by the house. Don't y'all leave. I said, okay. So Didn't know what was happening? Th- no. no, no. She just said, just don't go anywhere. I'm coming by. Had the two grandsons with her. And- and when she showed up and showed me that, it just caught me off guard. And if you've seen the video, you see the emotion that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it a just, beautiful video. Explain to the people who have not seen the video, and we'll try to link to it uh, in this uh, episode, but what was it that she brought in? Explain. It was uh, what they called the hugger. It was a strap that you wrapped around your, my left arm, the one that I can't move. And then it was long enough that I could take, take the excess and wrap around my hand on the right side to where I can pick it up and put it over people to where I can do a bear hug again. And when I got to do that with my grandsons, oh, the emotion just flew all over me. And especially my youngest grandson who carries my middle name uh-huh. and my birthday too. <laughs> That's super special. And uh, he was born after my stroke, so I hadn't really got to hug on him. My Oldest grandson, you know, at least I did get to play with him a little in the floor before my stroke. And with my youngest grandson, I hadn't been able to do that. So it just, when I got to hug him, it just, the realization came to me that, okay, this is the first time you've got to hug him. Yes. Can you explain that feeling at all? Like if you try, if you put it into words, I mean, it is a very emotional uh, video. Um, oh, it was so much joy. It just, it's hard to express the joy I had in my heart that I could do that. And that's why I said what I said in the video. This is the first time I've got to, to hug my boys. Mm. And, and like I said, I just bawled like a baby in it. <laughs> We all knew oh, immediately. My. And and her students, they made some gr- other great items also. I mean, there, yes. were, there were about three items that he could use to play cards. He loves to play cards with the grandsons, but it's difficult without some kind of stand or something. And and one created a fishing pole. And, really? And yes, yes. There were, the, the projects that they did were so neat. But the last one, she when she put that, that hug, and they named it Hug Again, she put that strap around his arm, and he hugged. It was just like, okay, this is it. Wow. Mm-hmm. They were all great items, and those those <clears throat> students did absolutely fabulous work. But just the, the expression on his face with that hug, we mm-hmm. were just, we were all crying. <laughs> what would you say, uh, this is a question for either one of y'all, to the, the man that's listening to this now, or the woman, uh, they're young, they're really focusing on their career. They're running. They're gunning. I'm I'm curious, sitting where you are now, is there anything that you would say to those of us who might be tempted to be so busy that we miss out on all the 
slow down. Yes. I'd say slow down and enjoy what God's given you and, and try to recognize what he's given you because, you, you know, we don't realize the blessings that we're given on a daily basis. Exactly. And when you finally slow down in our case to where we can actually see them again, it makes a difference. Yes. Mm-hmm. A and, big difference. And if we could go back, we would tell ourselves that exact same thing. Slow, slow down, down. Enjoy each day because we are not promised tomorrow. We are yeah. just thankful to get up each and every day. And I always think I, I'm a person from 70s time things, but Mac Davis had a song called Stop and Smell the Roses. And when I, anytime I hear that song and the words to it, you know, you have to count your blessings every day. That just gets to me. That's where we are now. You know, stop. Tell people to slow down. And that's huge. We were just talking about that, weren't we, Robert? Uh, in our last meeting that we came out of, just how busy we are. Mm-hmm. And it really is the enemy of relationships and spirituality and um you know there's a practice i didn't come up with this but it's called the prayer of examined where you take 24 basically every day you just sit back and you try to thank god for 24 things in the previous 24 hours Mm -hmm. and i know the first time i was like i'm gonna try that i thought there's no way i'll come up with 24 (laughs) things but it's amazing all the like you're talking about the little things we take for granted like i was able to stand on both feet yes you it's know, a blessing. It is. One thing that I have realized in my life, and I shared it with our congregation one Wednesday night. When I get up in the mornings, the first thing I do is brush my shoulder off. And the reason I do that is because Satan, the tempter, is sitting there and he's whispering in my ear all the things, you know, like, okay, Kevin, you can't do this and this and this and this anymore. And I say, yeah, you're right, but you know what? I brush him off mm-hmm. because if I get focused on how bad things are, then I won't see how good God is. Mm-hmm. And when I don't, so I have to, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is thank God that I've got another day of life that I can, you know, share with this world, hopefully yes. in a good way. And that he's blessed us to where, you know, we were able to sell our business, retire, do things we want to do. Kevin and I never took trips together in 20. We've been married 20 years when he had a stroke. Oh, wow. We didn't take trips. Now we've been to, we've been on more trips now than I could have imagined. That's awesome. You know, what, what we're able to do and do with our kids and our grandkids, that's what means the most. That's fantastic. Yeah. And what you're talking about with, you know, you're talking about brushing the, the tempter off. You're talking about yep. taking every thought captive. <coughs> yeah, that's so important. Of yes. it's so right. easy to get up in your head and and go into self pity mode and just think yes. about all the bad things. But we do have the power to stop that negative kind of self talk and be like, hey, time out a second. Like, mm-hmm. let me focus on the blessing. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. No matter what situation you find yourself in, don't give up hope. There is always hope out there. As long as the sun, you're seeing the sun shining, there is hope. And if you'll focus on that hope, there's where you find your joy and your peace. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah, there's always know. hope. Yeah. Well, I would love to, as we do every single episode, end with some rapid-fire questions if you guys are ready for that. Okay, okay. sounds good. All right, so here we go. Rapid-fire questions. Number one, and this will be for you, Kevin. Uh, what is either the last show that you watched or book that you read? 
The last show or movie that I watched was Midway. Okay. The movie Midway. And the books that I've read, there's been two different ones. One is called The Real Heaven by Steve Hemphill and The Story by Max Licato. Excellent. What about you, Lori? Um, my show I watch is Blue Bloods. I'm a, I'm a uh, Tom, Selleck. Tom Selleck fan. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I wish I could grow a mustache like him. <laughs> and I love to read books. I, I, I like to read mystery books, but I just finished a book. Uh, uh, Missy Robertson had written it about her daughter who was born with a cleft, pal- cleft palate and cleft oh, yes. lip and, yeah, yeah. And, and their journey with that. I just finished that book, and it was awesome. Excellent. Favorite, we'll start with you this time, Lori. Okay. Favorite band or favorite song? Oh, I'm a 70s music person because I drive my kids crazy because I listen to the 70s station on my XM radio <laughs> all the time. So I don't, I guess James Taylor is my favorite. James Taylor, that's a good one. Yes. What would you say? Well, I love listening to gospel music. And uh, one of the groups that I love to listen to is Praise and Harmony. And they have a song out there that's just beautiful. He looked beyond my fault. Mm. And that is an excellent song. I'll have to check them out. What is your favorite meal? Breakfast. Could you eat breakfast for dinner? Oh, I would, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the only time I fix it. <laughs> you a bacon and sausage guy both? or just? Oh, bacon? yes. Okay, right on. Mm-hmm. Bacon mm-hmm. and sausage, coffee, you, you add it Scrambled all. or fried eggs? Fried. Okay, right on. I'm with it. What would you say, favorite meal? Pastas. Any type of pasta. Yeah, right on. I love pasta as well. Um, what is on your nightstand right now? Oh, probably what's not on my nightstand. <laughs> That's a, a catch-all. Lamp. Sounds like my wife's nightstand. Yes, a lamp, my phone charger, my Bible and books, and a picture of my parents. Oh, that's great. What about you? What's on your nightstand? Man, I have everything on my nightstand. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yes. Because my stand, nightstand stretches across my bed. Okay. So where I can put stuff up there yes. to where I can reach it. But... Uh, a water bottle. I have a uh, sinus drainage all mm-hmm. the time, so I have to keep cough drops up yep. there. And I, iPad, your yeah, phone, iPad, yeah. and, and a little bit of everything. Yeah. He's got everything. Yeah, I'm just as bad as he. It's all right there. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay, so last two uh, questions. We'll start with you, uh, Kevin. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment right now in your life that brings you great joy. Just an ordinary moment that brings you a lot of joy. An ordinary moment that brings me joy. Mm-hmm. It might be a moment that other people look at and they wouldn't think it's a big deal, but to you it brings you a lot of joy. Seeing my grandsons born, mm. all three of them, was just beyond description to me. Just a, it makes me wonder why I had children just first. To, just to be at the <laughs> hospital. just didn't go right straight to the yes. grandkids. So. Yes. Awesome. Love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Can you do that? Can you can you go straight to grandkids? Well, <laughs> it's too late for me. But <laughs> too late. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say, Lori? Um, just the grandkids coming over. They raid my pantry to take home snacks, and I have everything there for them. Just those little grandparent moments. Man, yeah, they trick or treat. They our trick pantry. or treated. That's really for cool. snacks. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. I wish I could go over your house if you get all the <laughs> snacks and like. Uh, last question. I'll start with you, Lori. What is one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? This man right here. 
in his faith. He, his faith makes me what I am today. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kevin? What's one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? Well, I have two things, my grandsons and my faith. Like she said, I am very proud to where God has brought me in this journey. Mm-hmm. It has opened my eyes to so many possibilities that are out there now. Mm-hmm. So good. I really am thankful uh, it's, I feel like it was perfect timing if y'all coming on the podcast today. I just sent a message to one of my friends who's actually a therapist, and he was asking how I'm doing today, and I said, I'm doing well. I said, you know, I, but I still am battling uh, just w- with feelings of discontentment. I, I have I, I struggle with being content with my life, with my ministry. The grass can always be greener on the other side. And so this has been very meaningful for me. And honestly, I feel like I I personally have more gratitude in my heart for the life God has given me. And so um, I'm very thankful to know y'all now, call you my friends. Appreciate yes. you being willing to be vulnerable and share your story. And uh, oh, you're welcome. hope Thank we get to keep in touch. Thank yes. you. We, we appreciate you having yeah. us. Yes, we do. All right, the Eubanks have left the building. That's one of those conversations that I really believe will stick with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. I... um. I don't know if I said it in this conversation. I know I've mentioned it before in other episodes, but, you know, when I talk with my friend, Caleb, who is a hospice director in Kentucky, you've heard me tell that story Mm -hmm. when when you're Mm -hmm. dealing with people who are on death's door and they're kind of looking back or they're kind of now putting their life in perspective, like the thing they miss the most are the things we often take for granted. Yeah. And it's always relational, like the hug. Yeah. And so... Um, man, learning to count my blessings, to be grateful. Yeah, he said, because uh, you asked him if he was more blessed now, or feels more blessed. He just said that he can see the blessings better now. Mm. It's a lot of perspective that a loss like that. Yeah, it's like he can see more clearly. Yeah. Like the blessings, like his life didn't necessarily, it's not like he has more blessings now. Right, right. But just can, he's more aware of them. Yeah. What and a it was, great way to live. It It is. It, it, it is because I what was impactful to me is this his advice to slow down because I run at 100 miles an hour and um, he just said to slow down and enjoy what God's given you. Yeah, you're talking about slowing down. I read a book uh, years ago called Godspeed, but it talked, he kind of laid out the idea that God moved at three miles per hour or moves mm. three miles per hour and just all the walk. Jesus walked, right? Mm-hmm. And so. When you're moving really fast, clearly, right, you just don't always see everything. But when you yeah. slow down, and he's had to slow down. Yeah, uh, tremendously. Um, yeah, just anyways, what a great perspective. Um, hey, if you're still listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, I would encourage you, if you've not already done so, um, please give us five stars on iTunes. That just helps people find us more quickly and learn about the amazing people living here in our city. Also, we're on social media, primarily on Facebook and Instagram. We do have an email list you can subscribe to as well. And we have a website. Uh, it is www.paragouldpodcast.com. So you can definitely check us out there. Again, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.